Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Good evening um, and apologies to everyone for the technical issue that's caused us to be very, very late there. Um, and thank you to our, um, to our guests, candidates, for bearing with us. Um, we had an issue um, that prevented us um, going live there. And hopefully Ian is still on the phone and we can hear him. I am still poised, absolutely, in a state of cat-like readiness to jump into the East Neon Craneswater Hustings, one of our favourite wards in the city, as we always get good engagement. And first time in this season of podcasts, we've managed to get four candidates to turn in. So would you like to make the introduction, Simon? I shall. We're joined by Jane uh, Shepherd from Labour, uh, Mark Zimmer from Reform UK, Peter Candlish from the Liberal Democrats and Stephen Gorries uh, from the Conservatives. And welcome all. Um, East Neon Craneswater, um, it's a ward that's changed hands several times over, over the last few years. Uh, we're very, very lucky to have all four candidates with us this evening and to be doubly patient considering um, the IT issues that we've just having happening. Um, and um, so rather than kind of uh, talk more about that, just uh, um, let's kind of try and go straight into, um, into our opening speeches. Uh, now, before we, uh, before we tried to go live, um, we had... Um, uh, we conducted a coin toss, um, and that enabled us to understand um, the order of the speeches. Um, so first up for um, for the speeches um, is going to be Mark uh, from uh, Reform UK. When okay, thank you, Simon. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Mark Zimmer. I'm from the Reform UK candidate for Eastney and Craneswater. I live in Eastney with my wife and family and have done so for the last eight years since moving from Southsea. I served my time as a fitter turner apprentice in Portsmouth Dockyard and later worked as a safety site manager and recorders Queen Street and the QA Hospital Caution. I've been involved in crime prevention as a guest speaker about home security at local councils, police forces and neighbourhood watch groups throughout Hampshire and West Sussex. Never one to shy away from addressing controversial hot topics and finding solutions. Therefore, I'm interested in local issues such as homelessness. Sofa surfing is one of the hidden homeless, one minute part of a family, the next friends and families will try and help for a while, not much help from the government. Work starts to be affected and the next thing, no home, no income, in debt with your bank and your bank account's been closed. Opening up an ordinary bank account is near impossible once you're in this situation. In effect, you're an outcast to the rest of the population. A council-backed temporary bank account can help people feel more in control of their lives, supplying a postal address which allows for job applications and a returned address. While helping people get back onto their own two feet, both mentally, financially, and with self-belief in their own abilities again. The other issue is beach access for all. We have approximately two miles of Shingle Beach from Fort Cumberland to Southsea Castle, give or take the new deceit defences. Along this beach, there are only three pathways leading onto the beach. I'll use the term loosely as they're not fit for purpose. Leading to nowhere without shade or a solid level platform to allow wheelchair or seating for elderly or anyone else with a disability to experience and enjoy the beach area like everybody else. Every should, everybody should be able to access the beach. 
even if it's just to throw the stone into the sea. A simple thing we all take for granted. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. Um, and next up is, um, is Jane. When you're ready, please, Jane. Oh, hi. I'm Jane, and I live on the boundary of Milton, um, East New Cranes Water Ward, and I was born and brought up in Portsmouth. My mum was a teacher, and my dad was an electrical engineer at Aswe, up on the hill. And I'm a graphic designer and illustrator. Um, I have my own business, and I mostly work in the area of rights, so human rights, health rights, and women's rights. And my strengths really in project management and understanding and solving problems. I've also been a researcher and a consultant for various non-profit initiatives. So I really understand what it takes to make change. And I, I guess that's what I'm interested in and what I would bring to the role of a counsellor is making change for the better. I've always been involved locally in campaigning. I've campaigned for services for people living with HIV. Uh, I co-founded Open Access Studio at Amiga Centre for printmaking. I led a petition for the council to ban pesticides in public spaces, and that was most recently. And people may know me from the Stop Aquin campaign. Um, I did the design and the campaign strategy that led to the 2022 government decision to turn down Aquin's planning application. And that's me.
Thank you very much, Jane. And uh, next up is um, is Peter. Uh, a record of action and a promise of more. That's what the Lib Dems have said for years. And that's what I would bring as a local councillor for East Neen Craneswater. Along with my Lib Dem team, I've spent the last three years knocking on doors uh, and listening and acting for local people. So I've reported graffiti, I've solved recycling problems, and I've got trees planted. And you just can't replicate that by standing behind a national party flag uh, starting six weeks before a local election. And let's remember, we're talking about a local election here, not a general election. In the last few weeks, I've tried to run a very positive campaign focused on getting for Eastney and Craneswater uh, more GPs and dentists, more help for vulnerable people, especially pensioners and uh, families, and also more care for the environment, especially fighting the sewage dumping that goes on on East Knee Beach. That's what a local champion does, and that's what I would like to be. This election will no doubt be close again, but the Lib Dems have beaten the Conservatives in four of the last nine elections and won the last election. So I'm hoping that um, once again, we can come through on May the 4th. Um, we never know what's going to happen, but I'm optimistic and I would hope to keep Portsmouth moving forward and make East Neen Cranes Water an even better place to be. Okay, um, thank you, Peter. Um, and then uh, next up is um, Stephen. Um, if you'd like to start your opening speech, please. Thank you very much. Good afternoon and good evening, everyone. My name is Stephen Gorris. I'm the Conservative candidate for East Neen Cranes Water. Uh, a little bit about me. I've been a district councillor for 21 years and served the public in that role, both as a deputy leader of the council and also leader of the council. I've been a portfolio holder for a number of different cabinet positions, including planning, social care, affordable housing, and um, as well as that, I have been the leader of a council. So I do understand the ups and downs of council life. Um, in the civic role, I've also been the mayor. We called it a chairman because we were a district council rather than a borough, but uh, it's the very much the same sort of thing. Um, in my spare time, I'm a business mentor and a businessman entrepreneur. Uh, I work as a research fellow for the University of Portsmouth, helping small businesses with their strategy, cash flow planning, direction of business and travel. So I've got a lot of experience in, in that role as a um, in a business environment. On a voluntary side, I worked through the pandemic at St. James's Hospital, helping many vulnerable people get their jabs as and when they needed. And I have also uh, been uh, worked with children, uh, youngsters on the Duke of Edinburgh. I'm a, a ward leader and assessor. And um, currently you can come and see me every Saturday morning down on the South Sea, Prom, where I'm a run director for Park Run. So I try and help out people to get fit, get active in their life, because these are very important parts of uh, what we can do as a, um, a community. In a council role, I would like us to develop far more of our community engagement. And part of, part of what hopefully we'll deal with tonight, we'll uh, be able to explore that a little further. But that's me. Thank you very much, uh, Stephen. Um... Okay, um, we can then carry on. Um, Ian, are you um, are you still with us? Oh yes, I am. I know. I'm enjoying the opening addresses, and now we will 
dive into the questions and it appears my warm dulcet tones are coming through without Daleks. So if you're happy to go to question one, what are the key issues that the people are talking to you about as you meet them on the doorstep? And could I ask that first, please, to Joan? Yeah, sure. Um, well, Eastern Craneswater is such a different ward. I mean, from one area to the other, there's so many different kinds of housing stock, so many different issues, some of them competing. I mean, on one hand, you've got large villas, large Victorian villas on one end of it. On the other, you've got people with leases and caravan parks. So there's a lot of different concerns. I mean, I guess my favourite so far has been too many swans. <laughs> um, but especially with the seaside being such a major draw, there's a lot of visitors. There's a bit of a tension sometimes between visitors and residents' needs. There's some really poor housing on roads like Waverley. So it'd be great to see standards driven up um, with maybe a more robust landlord licensing scheme that Labour has been trying to push through. Um, there's been several requests from, from um, residents for safe crossings for people, both on Highlands Road uh, and on Eastern Parade. Dog fouling comes up a lot. People find it very offensive. And I really think the council should take should make this much more of a priority. Uh, obviously, antisocial behaviour and crime around Albert Road and around Wimbledon Park. And I've worked with Stephen Morgan and Labour councillors um, trying to address residents' concerns. And also plans for Eastney Swimming Pool and the lack of facilities to replace that. That's been another top issue along with um, sewage discharges into the sea. Thank you, Jane. Pretty comprehensive list. So if I could just ask you, Mark, what are the people telling you on the doorstep? Well, I think it's just the state of our seafront in general. Um, <clears throat> it's been allowed to fall into disrepair over the years. Our promenade is crumbling in places. Red tongue is used to infill the widening gaps. This only pushes out the edging stones, leaving large, deep cracks such as hazards to walks and, and, and dog paws. Um, I was only along there this morning. The seated defence area up uh, St George's Way has been patched so many times that the patches are being repatched, making this a one seating area look like it's been half demolished. Uh, yeah, I'm fully in, in support of the Eastney Beach site of importance for nature and conservation between St George's Road and Henderson Road, as having this is natural habitat on our shoreline is priceless and should be carefully managed. Uh, the shingle has not been managed, though, making it near impossible to install access walkways for those who would like to use the beach, but are resigned to the unshaded crumbling promenade or promenade, as you come from. The original area on the site is now overgrowing to what seems like out of control, and this is now encroaching upon Southie Beach. For visitors and Portsmouth residents alike, to an untrained eye, the beach looks unkempt and uncared for. The council really needs to adjust our seafront. We are so fortunate to have this environment, but the lack of beach man management is letting us down. The beach and the seafront is the jewel, is a jewel in Portsmouth's crown. Wouldn't it be a shame to let it slip even more? Thank you, Suck. So, Stephen, what are you hearing? Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Um, it's quite a, a mixed message, but there are some very clear things. The, the public constantly tell us about council tax and the financial or lack of financial management from this council at this time. 
the uh, main other concerns are things like, I think as Jane mentioned, crime and antisocial behaviour. It's not the major things, thankfully most of us don't suffer um, the horrible effect on, of major crime on ourselves, but we all do experience low-level crime, constant, the little nitty-gritties we have along the seafront, motorcyclists driving at breakneck speed just because they can. Um, these are issues that are endemic at the moment. Other, other things they're telling us is um, just general council waste and bureaucracy. It's got to be done better. We need to be far more focused on delivering a good service to the public. Um, the overwhelming thing is also is supporting local businesses, help in the high street. We've all been through a terribly uh, difficult time beyond our control, a lot of it, but people need help now to with their uh, cost of living, the crises that we're going through, caused in part by the pandemic, in part by the terrible war going on in Ukraine. And we must address these as major issues promptly. Thank you, Stephen. And last and by no means least, Peter, what are you hearing on the doorstep? Well, truthfully, although I've said this is an election for a local councillor, uh, the national issues are typically the most important things that people talk about. So they talk about... Um, problems with the NHS, they talk about cost of living issues, and some way behind that they talk about environment and uh, crime. So those things have got local angles as well. So on the GP side, it's all about getting face-to-face -face access with doctors, being able to get appointments, um, people talking about trying to manage the eight o'clock rush to uh, get through to be able to book something or the time it takes for someone to come back to them after they have uh, booked it. Um, they also talk about the, the traffic and parking, but we have a separate question about that. So I'm going to not uh, dive into that one because I'm sure we all know some answers and some have some opinions on that. And the third one I'll talk about is the, the seafront. Um, I agree that people say that it's not perfect. Uh, the cycle lane is a, a nightmare with the car doors opening into it. But also people are excited by what they see starting to come out of old Portsmouth with the, um, the new coastal scheme. And they're looking forward to that to roll forward to the, the rest of the ward. There are many, many more things, but in my 90 seconds, that's what I'll be calling up for you, Simon. Thank you, Peter. So good news is for that many of the subjects you've all touched upon there will be covered in some of our more in-depth questions. Do any of the candidates wish to use their 30-second rebuttal um, to come back on anything one of the other candidates have said? Oh, if you don't mind. This this this, this would be uh, for Peter. O on the sewage problems, and that is quite extensive, I'll give you that. What positive steps have you made towards Southern Water? So on a personal basis, I don't have a direct uh, route to Southern Water. Uh, right. What I have been able to do is, you know, I obviously support the, uh, the Stop the Sewage South Sea. I was at the protestable they had on, uh, on the beach last August, and I've been a supporter of that campaign all the way through. I've written my letters to uh, the the local to the to the minister, and I've also been lobbying the the council. The biggest single thing I would say on a personal basis I've been able to achieve are the new um, I call them poo boards, 
the uh, the notice boards down on the seafront, which at least tell people or start to tell people the level of sewage that's in the sea. So those people who want to walk their dogs or go swimming uh, can make an informed decision. Um, it's not the answer, but it's what we can do Thank locally. You. And there is much more we need to do on a much wider basis. Thank you, gents, for keeping nicely to time there. In which case, if there's nothing more to add, I will pass you on, Simon, for question two, please. OK, so um, our next question is, um, what would you see the council do to help shopping areas th um, survive and, um, and thrive? And um, I'll ask that first to Peter, please. OK, back to me already. I think the first thing we have to accept is that our high street is changing, changing fast and going to change an awful lot more. And I think there are some opportunities in that. So you see in places where shops are now being converted into uh, retail, um, into um, housing, affordable housing for people. And I think we have to view that as positive. There's too much. Uh, there are too many shops and they won't all survive. Commercially, it's just not uh, viable. I think it's also an opportunity for us to do more to make the high street more pleasant. What does that mean? Well, that means uh, chasing out some of the cars and the car parking and putting in place things that people actually like to walk uh, and go into. The high street of the future will be different and we have to think about uh, what that one is going to be. Okay, lovely, thank you. And um, next, if I can uh, put that to Jane, please. Oh, yes, thanks. Um, so I thought about this question in relation particularly to Albert Road, um, to the bit of the road that we share between the two wards, and it's such a unique street and one that I remember from when I was a teenager. And um, I do think we could really do an annual event that would bring everyone together and help promote the streets, a kind of I Love Albert Road initiative. Um, I'm also really keen on using art and creativity to bring life back into unloved corners and there's a brilliant example at the moment which is um i don't know if you've seen them the big billboards by the corner of bristol road um, which was done by coast guard studio and pogo i mean they really help make a place feel like a place you want to go to a destination there's an ideal spot for a planter and seating bike racks just outside ken's fried chicken so these kind of small initiatives can really make a street more pedestrian friendly but I've got friends um, with shops at both ends of the streets and of the streets, and both of them say that as traders, they're really scared by the level of crime. Uh, so there's definitely a big issue around that. And clearly we need a council, we need the council to have an action plan. You know, how are they gonna how are they gonna promote the street and respond swiftly when there is antisocial behaviour? And I, I think they need to draw that up with traders. They know best what needs to be done. Thank you very much. Um, and if I can put the same question uh, next, please, to Mark. Right. I'd like to see the council play a more active role in reintroducing key shops within the high streets. Uh, with shopping centres like Fratton, Ocean Park and Farnerton all hoping <coughs> to change our shopping habits, well, they're, they're offering convenience, we have lost our communities. Uh, along Albert Road, there's, what, one post office, no butchers, no bakers in our ward. These shops were the hub of our community. Take Branson Butchers as a great example. Okay, it's not in our ward, but this shows you what a community shop can do. Queues of people outside talking to one another. 
Fancy that. Talking again and getting to know your neighbour. With the help of negotiating leases with landlords, step business rates over a long period, longer period of time, training in business accounts are just a few of the ways the council can help. The butchers and the bakers have always been the centre of all communities. With the council's help and our support, we can put the unity back into our community. We want our butchers and bakers back. Okay, thank you very much. Last but not least, Stephen. Thank you very much. Um, high streets should be a mix of community things. They should be a mix of shops, people living, and they should be a pleasant place to be. Uh, what we could do and what we don't have along Albert Road is very much um, pleasant street furniture. That could be planters and flowers and trees. We can bring that into the community, which A, would be better for the, uh, for the green issues of traffic pollution and so on. So I, I think we should be far more creative along the high street. I agree that the issue of antisocial behaviour is a difficult one. CCTV may or may not work. It does tend to push crime off the main areas where the CCTV is into the, uh, the other streets adjacent to it. Uh, I would like us to effectively rebrand Albert Road as a almost a multi-layer department store we've got a whole lovely mix of different sorts of shops and if you go into a large department store um, which we've lost sadly in in Palmerston Road but the high street itself could become a department store so you go there uh, I think as Mark said you have your butcher you have your baker you have your various specialist shops and we should be encouraging them as a uh, as a community thing. We don't, I think, have much of an issue between the South and the North, Central South Sea and East Nian Cranes Water. I think we can work together as, as potential councillors for the future. It's the high street that's the important thing. Okay, thank you very much, Stephen. Um, and would anybody like to make use of their 30 second rebuttal as a response to anything that one of the other candidates said? Yeah, if you don't mind. Okay, Mark. Sorry, Peter. This is not a vendetta. With 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 the the bike sheds, um, obviously, what I can't understand why the bike sheds have been put on the road when, uh, therefore, able-bodied people who cycle, and um, we've got to use our wheelie bins through the house. And that anybody who's disabled or elderly has still got to do the wheelie bins. But you know, I worked in the dockyard, and there's thousands upon thousands of guys used to come with their with their bikes and wheel them through the house. Um, if you're disabled or elderly or infirm, you're not going to ride a bike. But trying to pull a wheelie bin through, so I so, think really. Sorry, 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 Mark. I'm going to have to intervene. Because okay. That we, we did ex we did explain that yeah. the purposes of the rebuttal was to come back on something the other candidate has said. I must say, Peter isn't a sitting councillor, so I, yeah. I don't think it's appropriate <laughs> for you to be challenging him on council. <laughs> Sorry, policy. I did go off 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 uh, track a little bit there. I do apologise. No, no, no worries. I mean, did you um, want to, uh, Peter? You look like you're chomping at the bit to give a response. Well, did I would have taken have... a swing at the pitch uh, if I've had an opportunity. So the the bike storage sheds, I think, have been a big success over the last couple of years. Um, 
Crime is a problem. I've had a, several bikes nicked, uh, and if I had a bike share around by my place, I would be using it. So that's why we need them. The problem is Portsmouth, as we all know, is such a densely crowded uh, city that you've got to find places to put them. So um, we might disagree on the solution, but my solution would be every now and then to take a car parking space and put the bike shared into that. That encourages you to have the cyclist go to the, the heart of the pedestrian, the, the cafe areas, these community areas that we all want. I think we all, it's quite interesting listening to everyone's different perspectives on how to get there. Uh, but we all want to bring those communities back. And I think they can be, be part of that. On the wheelie bins, you're opening up a definitely a big but different door. So let's let's leave that one yeah. firmly closed. Okay. As, <laughs> if with bearing in mind, obviously, um, our starting late, so our apologies um, with that. We're just kind of conscious of time. But I also want to be fair as we've kind of opened that slightly. Is there any quick uh, rebuttal or response that Jane or Stephen you wanted to give on that subject? No. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ian. So moving on to question three, um, over the summer, there's going to be some some great leisure and entertainment opportunities coming to the ward. Uh, Victorious obviously brings lots of people into the uh, into that area and into the ward. How can we maximise those opportunities? And can I ask that first to Stephen, please? <clears throat> well, thank you. Um, how to fix the challenges? Well, I'm not totally clear what challenges you're referring to, but it, it could well be the visitor numbers and how we deal with those. That's what As we all know, about. parking in this area. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, you're going to see, I mean, Victoria's yeah. is going to bring tens of thousands of people to the, into the... Indeed. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um. It's an interesting problem. We don't have enough parking. There's, there's always been parking issues. We'll touch on that later on, I think, on one of the other questions. Um, but well, I'd like to look on things on the positive side. I do think the number of extra visitors are bringing extra revenue into this area. We have opportunities when they do come. Um, I was a volunteer last year at Victorious where we were using uh, art for the youngsters. They could come in and do pictures and we can then pass good messages on to the, the youth that are attending. Mums and dads want to come and listen to the music and see the, see the, see the bands and the, the fun going on there. But the children that come with them, uh, we can give some benefit to. I don't think we can easily solve the parking problem. The, the works that are currently going along the seafront, they are possibly going to make it worse, but we'll have to wait for that all to be finished. I know there's a lot of conflict um, along there about those issues. I think that they do as well as they can, given the issues um, of the, just the sheer number of visitors. South Sea is a great place to come to and people want to come and see it. So we just have to sometimes suck it up and, and be prepared to suffer a little bit as the locals. Thank you, Stephen. So Peter, how, how can we make this challenge an opportunity? Well, I agree. We have to view it as an opportunity. Um, we live in a wonderful place and for 10 months of the year, there really is uh, space for uh, anyone who wants to, to find it. And for the remaining two months, we are a destination, um, not just for people from outside of Portsmouth, but also for a lot of people from the north of Portsmouth to come down 
and enjoy what we enjoy all year round. So we need to be willing to spend some money to um, to, to keep it looking good. You know, uh, there's money in next year's budget for desilting Canoe Lake. We need to keep the wardens going around the green spaces and telling people about the barbecues and the litter and the dog poo and all those things which uh, undermine that. And I think we also have to be, as Stephen has said, very realistic about what can be done in the current frame about things like the, the crowding and the parking. You know, there's, there's park and ride, uh, but not enough people want to, to use it. There are now barrel bikes for you to come down. Uh, there's signposting to bring you down, but people still try to bring their cars. I think in time, 10, 15, 20 years, we'll find that pressure will decrease a little bit. But in the short run, I think we have to just keep managing it as best we can. Thank you, Peter. Jane, how, how do you see the, uh, the challenge or opportunity? I think it's fantastic that so many people want to come and visit the seafront area, whether it's, you know, to, whether it's to enjoy the seafront or whether it's to come to Victorious. Um, I think it's a bit unfortunate that we've lost two of the main attractions, which are swimming pools. The Lib Dems have closed both of those. Um, I guess in terms of um, the kind of competing interests, you need to get the right balance between the needs of residents and visitors or customers who do so much to boost the local economy. And I think the council could play a bigger role in maybe, um, you know, facilitating any kind of um, problem that needs to be better understood and coming up with solutions. I think the pandemic has brought bigger numbers to the seafront. I've certainly noticed more people coming down. And I think we need to ask, are the seafront strategies up to date and relevant? Is the council managing to protect biodiversity? Do we have enough facilities? How many toilets should we have? How many bins? Can we recycle? I mean, these are questions that really need to be answered. Thank you, Jane. Last and by no means least, um, unless I have lashed up, I think that question needs to go to Mark. That's it. No, I, I agree with, with Jane, with the seafront. Uh, we are so fortunate to live in this great city, South Sea Common offering huge green area, our seafront is one to be proud of, and it is one to be proud of. A long history that is envied by many. No wonder why everybody wants to visit us. We've events held throughout the year, victorious, as Stephen mentioned, the Great Safe South Run, the Kite Festival, and the East New Water Sports event, to name but a few. As locals, we know the increasing vehicles on our roads and streets is beyond breaking point when these events are held. The Park and Ride Scheme is the best option. The organisers need to push this service hard and with the council providing a quick and easy way to book in advance, offering an array of discounts such as discounted meals, discount on accommodation and discount on entry to local attractions. This is by far a not an exhaustive list. Why not have a guided tour as you pass Portsmouth landmarks on your way to your destination or better still, a party bus <laughs> uh, on your way to the festival? Well, it's supposed to be fun, so why not stop with the bus into town? You never know, the council might use their new electric buses. Thank you, Mark. And do any of the candidates wish to come back on points that any of the others have made? So I might use um, my... Okay, so I shall pass you to oh, Simon. Sorry. 
Peter, Ooh, um, Peter, away you go. Yeah, Peter yep. just had his hand up then, sorry. No, no, I, I was just going to come back and, and ask of Jane. Uh, you know, there's a £140 million 15-year uh, South Sea coastal scheme that's rolling out from the old Portsmouth end up to Eastney. And um, there are some fantastic plans built within that. You know, the, the what are they calling it? The... Um, the theatre of the sea that's going to shortly open behind South Sea Castle. You know, I think these are exactly the kind of long-term uh, improvements that are being made. What is it that she doesn't see that isn't being envisaged? I'm looking to my first cup of coffee at the new water sports hub down at uh, Eastney Point in about five years' time. I think I was referring more to the kind of facilities that we need in order to keep the seafront clean and offer the services that people want, not necessarily whether it's coffee or things to see, um, but things like where to go to the loo, you know, where you're going to have the bins. At the moment, there's only a few permanent bins. We're still using those yellow plastic bins. There are no, there are very few, if, if any, water fountains for people. There is no recycling along the whole of the seafront. So I'm kind of talking about the basics. We've got to get the basics right. I think that was uh, my issue. Thank you both. In which case, Simon. Okay. Um, so, um, so on our next question. Um, so name the one service or facility residents don't have access to that you would see provided. Um, and if I can ask that question first, please, to Mark. Right. The, the, <clears throat> the facility I'd like to make accessible to everybody is the Eastern Swimming Baths. Once part, part of the Royal Marine Barracks has been a place where hundreds, if not thousands of people have learned to swim. It was a training, training pool for the Cockleshell Heroes during World War II. The pillbox on the site is a Grade Two listed building, really in need of repair. But I wouldn't have it opens as a swimming pool, but an interactive museum dedicated to the Royal Marines and their time in Eastney. The grassy area at the rear would serve cream teas in keeping with the style and date of the building. The area can be used for informal or formal gatherings, both for public and past, present servicemen and women. With the Royal Marines flag flying at full mast, their legacy with Eastney is cemented for future generations they were there for us. Let's be there for them. Okay, thank you very much. And the same question, please, to Jane. Uh, I think I'm going to go on the same kind of theme. Uh, we really, really need a swimming pool. We need access to a swimming pool. We need something that's affordable, something that's accessible to people living with disabilities. And we need something that suits the landscape that it's going to be sited in, which at the moment is Bransbury Park. Um, and I'm afraid I do have to say two of them were closed by the Lib Dem administration without the funds in place to build a new one. And at the moment, there's no real plans in place. I mean, there's lots of still ideas and consultations. Is it going to have a GP surgery? Is it not going to have a GP surgery? Does it include the community centre? Does it not include the community centre? People need a pool. And I mean, people really need um, somewhere where they can learn to swim um, where elderly people can carry on exercising. And at the moment, there's no clear plan of what this pool's going to look like and therefore no clear plan of how all the funds are going to be raised. And there still isn't um, the full amount of money secured for this pool. So 
I've been working with Stephen Morgan and me and Paula and Savage have always called for a pool and we just want the funds to be secured. Um, and we want to pool as soon as possible. Okay, thank you, Jane. Um, Peter, same question. Well, it looks like another issue where, as a community, we're all going to head in the same direction, because I would also say the key thing we need is a, a new pool. Um, the pyramids had turned into an absolute money sink. It was losing three quarters of a million a year, and um, the council tax uh, payers are just not able to support that kind of money with the decrease in the grants that have occurred. Eastney Pool, I agree. My kids uh, both were swim teachers there. Uh, but it was built 100 years ago for Marines. My kids used to worry about the little kids toppling over because there was no exit place for them. Um, if any of them went under, they had to walk to the, the side underwater. So we need a new pool. I've taken part in four rounds of consultation. Uh, I've been to the public meeting. I've seen the plans. Uh, the finances are there. They are planned. There is a process that needs to be gone through. And I think the planning application um, will be there by about the autumn. So I think it's clear what we need. And I love the direction that we're uh, heading in. The location in Bransbury, you know, it's always difficult to find space for new buildings in, um, in our area. But it builds on a largely existing site. It's very accessible for people both north and south, which will make it financially um, sustainable. It's um, it's a it's a good plan that's coming together. Thank you very much. And last but not least, Stephen. Thank you very much. I think we're going to sound like a rather stuck record. I, I, I too agree with the pool. I think we must all have been talking to the same residents uh, recently because that is an overwhelming issue. The uh, the fact that we've lost two pools locally is 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 a crying shame. I think. Um, I, I disagree slightly with Peter in in the view that councils can't run pools uh, properly. They can. Uh, my last council, we, we actually uh, had a 15, 20 million pound investment from private industry who wanted to work with the council. So I, I do think there are there is the will and intent out there from some commercial organisations. That said, it's probably too late to implement a sensible scheme down on the seafront. Uh, many places, particularly in France, St. Marlowe comes to mind, they have uh, pools built out into the sea. I know part of the defence work that's along the seafront now, incorporates little pools for wildlife, etc. But it would not have been a much uh, extra expense to build a concrete pool out there that gets refreshed every time the, the waves come in. When the tide is out, we have a pool that's right on the seafront. With putting some extra shower facilities at that point, we could have had a community thing at a relatively cheap price, regularly refreshed by the sea to some extent, Providing we get on top of the sewage issue, that would be a clean area that we could have the public use. Thank, Thank you, you, Stephen. Okay. Um, dare I ask if anybody wants to use their 30-second rebuttal on that question? Jane? Um, yes, I would like to ask Peter. You did say that the money had been secured um, to build the pool, uh, but I believe it is still two million short. I mean, there is still about finding that extra piece of funding. Costs are going up all the time, building costs and energy costs, and still there isn't any planning applications in. So how can something be costed when it's not actually sure what it's, or it's not that clear what it's going to be? 
So if I uh, put a plan together for what my shopping bill was going to be at Asda, I'd have a pretty good idea about what it is now. I won't actually know until I get there. And that's where we are with the planning application. You know, the, the project is going through. Um, nothing is final until it's uh, actually done, dusted and reviewed in the past. Okay, thank you. Um, everyone else okay? Should we move on to the next question? I'm taking that that no one else wanted to use a rebuttal. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, we're going. To, I'm going to. I'm going to charge on anyway. So, we all understand that there's a cost of living crisis. There's rising rising energy costs, and all parties uh, voted for a 4.99% council tax rise. Um, so, if we look at this locally, what more should local councils be doing to support residents? And could I ask that first, please, to Jane? Well, it's true. I mean, on the door, I mean, you, yeah, I have heard a lot of residents really struggling and and, in, and I found that in places where you wouldn't expect it. For example, an elderly couple in one of those large Victorian villas who were living in one room, unable to heat the rest of the house. And thank goodness we've got St Margaret's pantry just around the corner. But it is shocking that we need food banks in this day and age. We should never be complacent about this and take them for granted as a kind of stopgap. And people shouldn't be made vulnerable by poverty that's basically caused by the decisions of those in government. Now, I know the council received um, the Household Support Fund, which has uh, 3.8 million to provide support to struggling households. And, and it was really great that Labour could secure the cost of living hardship fund in the last council budget. Labour have also initiated warm spaces, which has been really helpful. I mean, other councils have also done a very similar thing. And the council can play an important role in reducing costs, say, through things like free activities during the holiday for kids, more free school meals. Um, we also had a great idea of uh, the council allowing non-branded uniforms um, that would bring down sort of general household costs. So, and, and there's, I'm sure there's plenty of really good innovative solutions if we look and see what other councils have also implemented. So yeah, they, they have a big role to play. Thank you, Jane. So Mark, cost of living crisis, what more should the local council be doing? Well, I was thinking along the lines of why doesn't the council get together the large food outlets like Tesco's, Lidl's or Sainsbury's, et cetera, and introduce e-food vouchers that can purchase the products that are now sent to food banks, but could then be ordered direct from the shops online. This way, it stops the stigma of having to use a food bank. I was a child who's had three school dinners, waiting in line to receive my book of tickets whilst the other children walked past me pointing. It was horrendous. How much harder this must be for an adult to have, this, have to feel this way. An online service will remove anyone knowing whether you're paying a customer or not when you pick up your shopping. That is my idea. Ask the same question, please, to Stephen. What more should the council be doing? Um, thank you. A um, big part of people's bills at the moment is the energy crisis. It's, it's above uh, anything we as a local council can do, I think, but there are things that we can keep promoting, the energy efficient homes, businesses, giving extra help. Uh, we probably all had flyers through the post telling us about this but when you actually try to apply for it, it there seems to be a mountain of paper that you need to go through just to get something i do think we can do things with that um I, I agree with jane warm spaces warm hubs community hubs those are very important things where people can go to 
um, socialize as well as picking up some warmth if they need it, if they're having difficulties at home. I, I think, again, Mark has touched on an area that I, I feel we should develop, which are, are vouchers and working with local businesses, local cafes, local food outlets, certainly with the big big boys, the Tesco's, et cetera, of this world, but the local food, food shops for suppliers where they can give a voucher into a little community hub. We should be looking at re reusing some of the empty shops that have been empty for years, we could convert those, the council could actually use their power to grab hold of some of that uh, real estate and work with the cafes so people aren't embarrassed like, like Mark has, has already said, so that they can go to a, a cafe and say, here's 10 pounds worth of vouchers, take the kids after school, go and have somewhere warm. And in the summer, the, the problems are slightly different, but you know, have a cold drink in the summertime. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Um, sorry, uh, Stephen, I called you Peter there. Um, that's because I'm thinking ahead. So, Peter, what more should the council be doing? I think, first of all, we have to acknowledge what the council is already doing. So many of the suggestions that are being put forward are part of uh, council programmes. You know, there are warm spaces programmes, there are energy and money uh, helplines to give people good advice. The council works with the food banks and with the, the, the charities, uh, both giving, um, giving money directly, but also trying to link them up with, um, with the private businesses where there is an opportunity. We have to remember that many of the private businesses are also struggling, so they have less cash to be able to do these things than they have at uh, previous times. Um, so what more can the council do? I think some of these issues are, are beyond the council and we have to you know, look to the national government to, to really support them. Um, I think what the council can do is target better. Uh, we do some benefits which are universal, which I think in tough times, we have to really work out who really, really needs them. You know, We're talking about giving people 10 pounds to have a, a coffee, in a cafe, there's a lot of people for whom £10 means they're going to feed the family properly for uh, an extra meal. Thank you very much. So uh, does anybody have a burning desire to use their 30-second um, their rebuttal? No takers. In which case, I shall pass you to Simon. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Ian, um, well, you wouldn't have to be um, a clairvoyant to think that parking wasn't going to be a question that would come up. Um, so um, parking is a problem here is, is in most parts of the city. Uh, but how can we solve uh, solve parking? How can we deal with uh, things like rat, roll, rat run culture um, without pitting car users against those that are choosing active travel? Um, and if I can ask that question first to Peter, please. So this is the type of question where if any one of us comes up with a brilliant answer, we will be carried through the streets rejoicing. Um, I thought when I got involved in politics, I would discuss politics. Mostly I discuss parking and traffic. Anyway, here's my uh, throw at it. So firstly, we need to do away with the, the, the idea that there's a conflict between an, an unsolvable fight between car drivers, walkers, cyclists, and all the other people. I'm all of these things. So we have to find a way to, to work together. Um, 
I think we have to promote alternatives to using the car wherever possible. So uh, that means better bus services. It means making it safer and easier to use a bicycle to go somewhere. It means dropping the curb so that people can walk uh, and use the mobility scooters uh, more easily. Um, but these aren't going to you know, fundamentally take away the, the, the problem with the number of cars we've got and the space we have. I personally would be very supportive of further actions to slow vehicles down, except on the main thoroughfares. I think um, low traffic neighborhoods, um, slow spaces, cul-de-sacs, all of these things help. But parking is a real um, hard okay. issue. Uh, thank you, Peter. Um, and if I can ask the same question to Jane, please. Yes, well, I would say for decades now, councils, not just this one, but up and down the country have really have designed cities around car use. So we've kind of inherited a very, um, you know, history of uh, cars dominating our landscape. So it's no wonder we're in the state we're in. But we do need a citywide parking strategy and not this piecemeal approach we have at the moment. Nobody would seem as happy. And clearly, there's too many cars in some areas of the city. So we need to encourage people to use cars less, to be able to rely on them less. And I guess there's no, that's not going to happen in the short term. But we do need to work on reducing short journeys by car, make our streets more pleasant to walk in, the kind of things that Peter was just mentioning. Um, give people destinations to get to and seats and to rest on on their way. And I think it's shameful that Portsmouth is one of the most dangerous places to cycle in the country. I mean, I'm sorry, the Lib Dems have been in power 15 out of the last 19 years, and we still don't have a stretch of proper cycling infrastructure. And this city is flat and compact. I mean, it really should be a place we can easily cycle around safely, and we wouldn't have to rely so heavily on uh, cars or taxis. So I think, uh, you know, we should really work with the Pompey Cycle Forum. I mean, you know, we need to work with people who know what's needed uh, to map out safer routes. Um, and we also need a much better uh, uh, bus access and provision. So, you know, that we know we can rely on buses to get us from places. I also wouldn't call it a, a rat run culture. Uh, I think that kind of language perhaps does pit <laughs> motorists against pedestrians. Um, then um, our apologies for the wording, uh, wording of the question in, in that regard. Um, next okay. to uh, Mark, please. Well, what I haven't heard so far is create jobs, create more jobs within Portsmouth. We have a dockyard that's trained over tens of thousands of people over the years. We're surrounded by water. Let's start training again. Hydro energy. That way, there won't be the need for two cars per house, one to go to work outside of the city and the other to school runs. Like Jane said, it's a short journey, additional jobs that need to add it to the cost of living. We are full of cars. We need the cars to travel to work. It's catch 22 at the present moment. HMOs are an additional burden. Portsmouth was a, was a family orientated city, but with the cost of housing based on rental income rather than wage income, the use of two cars is essential to provide for a family. Permits are a great income for the council, but it doesn't guarantee a parking space for the residents. And with the permits costing £30 to £120 for your second one, you do feel slightly cheated. Thank you. And um, 
lastly to Stephen, please. Um, yes, thank you. Um, we're not building any more land, so we've got nowhere else to put cars, so we have to come up with creative solutions. I don't think any of us has a simple answer there. I don't think there is a simple answer. I do agree with Jane. I believe she made the point that this piecemeal approach is not working. It, it, it has to be done the whole island in one go or, um, or not. Let's not have uh, one area almost competing with the other for parking. One thing we do suffer from and that people are telling me is the vast number of students that come into the city. We welcome them, of course, but they come in with a car. They perhaps don't use it for two, three, four months and it just sits clogging up our uh, parking areas that could be utilized by others. I think we should be looking at the cycle areas. Again, Jane is quite right and I do agree that the cycle ways around the city need to be improved. We need to give priority to it. In fact, the new highway code gives a new hierarchy of users, the pedestrians, cyclists, and so on. Um, people are rather frightened of taking their cycles in places and leaving them because they're gonna get stolen. So we need to have some secure, lots more secure cycle storage around. And let's face it, all motorists tend to love their cars. I don't, I, I can't see any other way of forcing people out of their cars because that just won't happen. So we do have to come up with more creative solutions. Large areas, large buildings that we are talking about perhaps in Palmerston Road to take over the Debenham store or the Knight and Lee store, we should be making sure that they have adequate parking if they're constructed. They can do it on the continent, why can't we do it here? Um, thank you, Stephen. Um, anybody um, want to make use of their 30 second rebuttal to respond to um, the answers of one of the other candidates? Um, Jane, yes, please. I uh, just wanted to ask Stephen that if he feels that students um, are bringing cars in and that's possibly an unnecessarily useful car, uh, parking space and a car, does he uh, support the use of boy scooters, for example, and other ways that students can get around, which are very popular with young people? Would that would he see that's part of the solution? Um, yeah, I think so, Jane. Uh, unfortunately, we've many things the council do, like sticking up signs, don't cycle along here, don't take your dog on the beach between these dates, they don't enforce it. So we should either be enforcing those kind of things or not. I do agree, e-scooters are possibly the way forward. We need to make sure that we work within the law as it stands. We need to encourage responsible usage of them. I'm sure you and I see many youngsters, two or even three up on a, on a scooter, which is incredibly dangerous. No helmets, youngsters uh, using scooters, e-scooters particularly, that are not um, approved, if you will, by the council. So yes, I do think we should be providing that. And I do think we should be helping them to um, get around the city in a much more constructive fashion. Thank you, Stephen. Anybody else uh, need to use their 30 second rebuttal? Can I just jump in again then? Yes. Go ahead, uh, Basically, I, I, I was under the uh, belief that the uh, students entered some sort of agreement with the, when they signed into the, 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 well, their residencies about not bringing their cars into the city. It might have just been hearsay. And, and the other thing is with the, with the scooters, it's a good idea, but to be quite honest, they're more of a hindrance to people on the pay, on pavements. In my eyes, it's not green, it's just irresponsible. That's me. Thank you very much, Mark. Okay. Um, 
Simon, I might just say a couple of words on the scooters. So I think the issue here is a national one. The, we have to be clear about what local councils can do. Portsmouth is running a test on the voice scooters, which are insured, regulated, speed limited, all of those good things. There are improvements to be made, but fundamentally, I think they're a good direction. The real problem is with the black shark ones that do 30 mile an hour and jump the uh, traffic lights. Those are unregulated and basically illegal, and it's known to be. But the problem is that enforcement is not a council matter. Councillors and the council can advise and talk to the police, but it's a police issue. Uh, I've written to Donna Jones, the police uh, crimes commissioner on the, the matter, and I know other people have. If we want to make this kind of thing a priority, it has to be come through onto the, uh, the police service. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you, Peter. So, um, okay. I'm going to take that yeah. as a segue into our next question. So question seven. So antisocial behaviour, theft and burglary are, are blighting the lives of the people of Portsmouth and Eastley and Craneswater. What's your solution? And can I ask that first to Stephen, please? Um, maybe I'm old fashioned. Bobby's on the beat um, does usually work for me. Um, we have to work cooperatively. Where I live in Craneswater, we have Neighbourhood Watch. It's reasonably effective. We all, we, our own street kind of looks after itself. We all have CCTV cameras. They can be linked together where we can help. And indeed, one of my cars was broken into or tried to be have, have all the wheels taken off not very long ago. My neighbours helped, saw it and came and banged on my door at midnight to say, you know, what's going on here? And they were very helpful. So we need to work together and we need to encourage people. CCTV, we touched on earlier. Uh, unless we cover the whole uh, island, it's just not going to work. I mean, we have to be mindful of its effectiveness in certain areas. But frankly, um, we have to work much more as a community. We need to be able to track and trace uh, things without the big brother approach. I'm not in favor of um, uh, the police state, if you will, but uh, it's reassuring to all, particularly the elderly, when they see PCSOs, police uh, officers joining them, walking around the town, uh, the police will tell us it's not always the most effective use of, of um, resource, but let's face it, that's true if you're in a big rural area. In a city, we should be able to cover it very well. Uh, Japan has a fantastic police force. Pretty well every police officer in Japan claims to know, through their colleagues, every person in Japan, and includes tourists. So maybe we can work towards Thank them. Thank you. Can I ask that question, please, to Peter? What's your solution? So uh, we've already taken away my easy out of passing the whole matter up to the uh, police commissioner. Um, so let me now be complimentary to uh, to Labour, because uh, I think it goes back to what Tony Blair said all those years ago about being tough on crime and tough on the causes of crime. So on the one hand, we need more. Uh, we just need more police uh, staff, um, uniform, the PCSOs and the support people to enable those to be out on the um, on the front line. That, again, I'm afraid, is a national issue rather than a local one, although there is the police uh, precept. Uh, but we also have to be looking on the other side of the ledger as well. And we have to be doing things 
to ensure that young people have uh, constructive, gainful activities to occupy their time. You know, so all those extracurricular things at school, the soccer leagues, um, they, they do make a difference and they do cost money. And as a society, we have to be prepared to, to fund that. Um, I know the, the crime situation um, in Stevens area is not so intense, but there are other parts of the city where it is much more of an issue and uh, they really need some, some investment to, to help solve those kind of problems. Thank you. Can I ask that question, please, to Jane? Um, yeah, well, thanks to austerity um, from the Lib Dem and Tory coalition, um, that costs us our police officers on the ground. Less and less police, less services, and less services offer drug rehabilitation and mental health support, wraparound services for people with complex needs. I mean, when you take away all those services, you end up seeing it on the streets. I'm afraid a lot of what we see now is a consequence of the cutbacks. So we really need to reinvest in people and in community policing. I mean, Labour have a lot of pledges for um, the next general election, if they get into power, to put more bobbies back on the streets. Portsmouth Labour has a policy pledge to create safer neighbourhood fund. And um, that would be the council consulting with residents to shape plans for more CCTV, better street lighting, the kind of initiatives that people feel will, will and will make neighbourhoods safer. And I've worked with Stephen Morgan and residents in Gaines and Allen Road um, when they had a particular kind of uprise of crime in that area to find out what their experiences were and to find out what they wanted need to be, what they needed to be done. Um, and then we got the police patrols in that area increased. So, yeah, we need to reinvest in our services, don't we? Thank you, Jane. And last and by no means least, Mark, what's your solution to the problem? Well, mine's <clears throat> along the seafront at the present moment. It's having speed bumps along the seafront would stop the boy races using the, as a racetrack at night, as well as it making it safer during the day for slowing traffic as people get out of their cars. It was mentioned earlier, I believe it's Stephen. I would have said sleeping policemen, but as the force has been reduced, they are all working 24 hours now. We used to have a crime prevention officers. Then it was downgraded to crime reduction officers. And now the government cutbacks, cut it's more like lip service. This is not the police's for, uh, police force's fault, I may add. I would say that the crime prevention advice given now needs to be updated and presented to homeowners in a different format. So their choices are based on new security up-to-date advice and they can address the home security issues within their own houses with the up-to-date advice. This would, this would be undertaken without rising the fear of crime as the fear of crime is much greater than the actual crime level it is. So basically it's, 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 just, it's just informative and giving people the information they need, real information, how to make their home secure because it's their responsibility firsthand. Thank you, Mark. Does anybody want to come back in now? In which case, Simon, last question. Okay, the end is in sight. Um, so, the, um, so the last question. Um, so if successful, what would be the one thing you'd want to see implemented 
in your term to improve life for residents in the ward? And if I can ask that uh, question first to Peter. To who, uh, Simon? To you, Peter. Oh, okay. Um, so, I, honestly, I think the, the, the biggest single thing we should be looking to do um, as councillors, if uh, whoever gets in, is to improve the central spaces of our area. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about uh, creating more pedestrianized areas, community areas where people can get together in a modern way and um, socialize with each other in a, in a pleasant environment. So specifically, that means I think we have to take some, some brave decisions on things like uh, parking, and the the role of um, alternative forms of transport to prioritise spaces for people and not for cars. Okay, thank you very much. And the same question to Jane, please. Thanks. Um, and I think possibly Mark's been following my campaign, which is fantastic. Um, but I'd really like to see a boardwalk installed along Eastney Beach, um, just beyond the coffee cup, where the wild um, flowers and vegetation grows. There's a fantastic example in Brighton that's been installed recently, made from a kind of hard-wearing composite recycled board. We just don't do enough as a council to make our city accessible to people living with disabilities, um, elderly people, people with mobility issues, and even people with families to be able to enjoy the beach. So that would be one of my main goals, and to do it in consultation with people living with disabilities. Thank you very much, Jane. Um, the same question, please, to Mark. Oh, well, yes, Jane, Jane, Jane's called me out on short there. Hands up following her campaign. Very good campaign, actually. Oh. <laughs> what I would do as alongside that would be provide a relaxing day on the beach, recharge your batteries in temporary eateries positioned all along the seafront with closed zones dotted in between. This will be inclusive, as Jane says, of everybody, no matter what their age or disability. For far too long now, we've been shortchanged with the odd kiosk selling overpriced food, leaving visitors feeling fleeced. Parking, parking steer have bought through the app. Why? It should be cheaper. And once the summer is finished, so must all the temporary structures be removed, leaving the beach to have a well-earned rest ready for next year. The natural beach is what draws people to it. And that's how we will leave it for future generations. Thank you, Mark. Um, and lastly, Stephen, please. Thank you very much. Um, I think the simple thing would be a better run council. This is what the people have been telling us they need. Um, we need people like myself that have run businesses, have worked with uh, various community groups, um, we see on South Sea Seafront all of the time, homeless people sleeping rough. That should not happen in this day and age. We should be able to support them properly. I don't believe the council does enough to do that. I'm a mental health act manager. I work with people with mental illness a considerable amount of the time. And again, we need to work in a cooperative basis with those. So um, homeless issues are terribly badly addressed in my opinion here. Mental health Many of them are suffering with mental health difficulties, whether it's self-inflicted by drugs or alcohol or a combination of the two. But the council needs to become much more proactive. It needs to listen to the community far more. 
uh, we take as a conservative group regular soundings from the, the from the population of our area we run surveys we listen to what they're saying and we actually have to continue to implement that once we've actually run through those options community forums i sat on the i sit on the um, east hence um, neighborhood forum and that's a fantastic forum where we get perhaps two or three hundred people who can tell us what's going on. Sadly, because of the pandemic, we've not been able to run it for a little while, but it's about to restart. And that's a really good way for us to hear what the community want. Thank you, Stephen. OK, does anybody need to use their 30 second rebuttal on that one at all? Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, in which case... That leads us nicely into closing speeches. And so just as Simon looks to step everything up, I will just remind everybody that the the saddest vote in the world is the vote that isn't cast. So this is the first year um, where you will need photo ID and time is running out. We've tried waving our arms and generally shouting at you for the entire duration of these podcasts, but you've now only got until Tuesday um, to apply for free photo ID if you don't have any. If you scan the QR code in the top of our screen there, it will tell you all the things that you need to have if, in terms of to make you compliant on the day so you can cast your vote. So whoever you're going to vote for, please ensure you turn up on May the 4th, fully equipped and ready to take your full part in the democratic process. And don't forget, if you're a postal voter, um, that you can also, um, as well as posting your vote to make sure it returns to the council, um, in time you can submit it at any ballot box in the city um, up until the close of polling on the on polling day. Um, and you still won't need ID. Um, so yes, please do bear that in mind. Um, so um, we'll, produce, we'll do the uh, closing speeches in the order that we did the opening speeches. Um, so uh, first off um, is uh, Mark. In closing, I would like to tell you a short story. An emperor hired two tailors who promised to make him a set of the most remarkable new clothes that would be invisible to anyone who is either incompetent or stupid. When the emperor went to see his new clothes, he sees nothing. For the tailors are swindlers and there aren't any clothes. Afraid of being judged incompetent and stupid, the emperor pretends to be delighted with his new attire and wears them in a grand parade through the town. Everyone else also pretends to see them until a child yells out. He hasn't got any clothes on. This is how I see things and so do many others. Never afraid to point out the obvious truth that is counter to prevailing opinions. A fairy tale or fable may be, but it's better than living in La La Land. We've been led down the path by the political elite without asking us what we want and then telling us how to think. For a practical, honest, straight-talking approach to local issues, vote Mark Zimmer, Reform UK or May the 4th. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. Okay, um, Jane, uh, and away you go, please. Well, I want to see a city that's more vibrant, that regenerates the city centre as a place we want to visit with things we want to do and see. So this could be cultural regeneration with street arts, microbreweries, um, gallery studios, green places to sit, and safe recycling, recycling, safe cycling infrastructure to get us there. And I want to see recycling when you get there. Um, and I strongly believe that people should have access to the services that they need. And my experience and background really help me achieve that for residents. I'm especially keen to see the city create a women's health hub and it's one of Labour's manifesto pledges. And um, women's health care really 
uh, would benefit from a more joined up approach and I'm well networked in the health sector and passionate enough to make this help to make this happen and so you get a lot if you vote for me you get arts health environment and rights thank you very much Jane um, and uh, next up is um, is Peter so um, um, so um, when you're ready local visible caring and competent isn't that what you want from your local councillor I've lived in my ward for more than 10 years and until I went to full council uh, last month that was the first time I'd ever seen my two conservative councillors I've knocked on doors for the last three years and a lot of residents already know me okay sometimes they call me that lived them sewage man uh, but at least it's something we're trying to make contact I'm also prone to care from Waverley Road in the west to Ferry Road in the east, I've resolved residents' problems from fly tipping to parking issues to how to vote. And I'm competent. Uh, like Steve, and I've run a business. In fact, I run a £400 million uh, business unit. So I know how to make money uh, uh, and to spend money well. Local, visible, caring and competent. Isn't that what you want from your local councillor? Please vote Peter Candlish at the next election. Thank you, Peter. Um, and uh, next up is um, Stephen. So, um, Stephen, just uh, fantastic. I'm ready when you are. Well, with 21 years experience running district councils, I have a vast background in the ability to make sure we direct the officers of the council in an appropriate fashion. It's very easy to let them take control and pass the buck of authority, on to people that are not elected. I seek to be elected as your district and city councillor here in Portsmouth, simply because I think we need a long-term vision for the city. We all want to live in a greener, happy, healthy environment. We can do all of that, but we need to have the vision to do it. I have that vision, and I would ask that you vote Stephen Gorris for your Eastney and Craneswater elections when they come in up on the 4th of May this year because without a long-term vision all of the rest of the stuff we've talked about this evening will okay. just go to waste. Thank you very much. So that concludes our East Me and Craneswater Huskins. We'd like to give our thanks to all of the candidates. We know with less than two weeks to go it's a very busy time, lots of pavements to be pounded and doors to be knocked. So thank you all for giving up your evening and uh, for bearing with us through those slight technical difficulties. And we'd like to wish you all good luck for the rest of the campaign. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guests have been Jane Shepherd from Labour, Mark Zimmer from Reform UK, Peter Candlish from the Liberal Democrats, Stephen Gorris from the Conservatives, and I've been Simon Sansbury. Join us next Sunday at 6.27 um, when we have our last hustings of the season, which will be Hilsey. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa. Play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast.
Getting Comfy Politics podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy.